Growing up, Randy Lindsay's family jokingly referred to him as the milkman's son. You know and have likely heard this joke before, but what if it were actually true? What if who you thought was your father, your hero, wasn't actually your father? This is Randy Lindsay's story. Randy Lindsay is a native of Arizona. He lives in Mesa with his wife, five of his nine children, a dog, a cat, and a hyperactive imagination. His wife calls him the story man because he sees everything as material for a story. Randy has researched his family history for 14 years, incorporating more than 5,000 family members in his family tree and has helped many others in their ancestral quest. This is All In, an LDS Living podcast where we ask the question, what does it really mean to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm Morgan Jones, and I am so excited to have Randy Lindsay on the line with me today. Randy, welcome. Hi, Morgan. I'm glad to be here. Well, Randy has a fascinating story that I feel like is going to kind of blow people's minds a little bit. And I love, Randy, throughout your book, you talk about how you're a writer and you couldn't make this stuff up. And I was like, man, if you're looking for a good story to write, one just fell on your lap. I'm just not sure if it was the way that you wanted. Oh, no, absolutely. There are definitely rules for writing. And it's got to make sense, and you can't throw in too many surprises. I mean, the surprise can't be too big. People got to think, oh, yeah, that seems like it would happen. But in life, that's not the case. It just life just happens, and it doesn't have to make sense. The whole time that this experience was happening, my wife would go, You just can't make this stuff up because <laughs> you can't, because no one would believe it. No one would watch it. They would like, You're a horrible hack writer for making up all this stuff. But because these things really happened, I could put it into my memoir. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's unbelievable, truly, but it happened. Your book starts, Randy, with a note that says, I wasn't looking for skeletons in my closet. Why would I? I was just researching my family tree as a favor to my dad. I knew who I was. I knew who my parents were. And I knew which family I belonged to until I didn't. Can you start by just telling people a little bit, a little bit of background about your story? Okay, so, you know, I'm a, I have a pretty standard family. We're blue collar. My uh, men in the family are construction workers, carpenters, and, uh, the, and my dad's a cowboy. And very, very humble beginnings kind of family. And, uh, you know, we're not expecting anything unusual. Kind of what you see is what you get. That's the way our family is. So about 12 years ago, you know, and I'm going to get my time wrong on that, 2005, I visited my dad and took the kids out there and we're there and he's like, I'm having dreams, which is weird because my dad, he's like John Wayne. I mean, so you, you take John Wayne and you take the, the Marine movies he did and the cowboy movies he did. And the difference is my dad actually did those things as opposed to John Wayne being an actor who portrayed characters in those situations. So my dad tell me I had a dream that was just, that was bizarre, right? And so I listened to him. And in his dream, he talks about how uh, he saw faces and they didn't say anything to him, but he could tell that these people, the faces were his ancestors and they were wanting him to do family history research. And so he kind of turned that over to me and I, I started it and 
I fell in love with it. I mean, so I've been doing research since 2005. I, I am the family historian on both sides of the family, and I love finding the names and everything. But for the Lindsays, I can only go back to William Lindsay, uh, who's the immigrant, uh, come over from Ireland. And I was really desperate to try to establish exactly where William is in Ireland before he, he immigrated. And so I took a DNA test because I would be able to then link up with other people related to me and find out their research. And yeah, it would just open tons of possibilities uh, for family history research. And then I got the results back and I'm not a Lindsay, not <laughs> biologically. It's so crazy. It's so, it's so interesting because the way that you frame that, that it would open so much up to you. You just had no idea how much it would open up. I feel like this is the ultimate, your story is the ultimate in identity crisis. Can you tell listeners a little bit about the wide range of emotions that you experience when you find out something like this? Oh, well, you know, you go through all the, all the stages, right? So the first one is denial. I have a sister in New Jersey. She's the one who kind of brought it to my attention. I mean, because originally what happened is I get the DNA test and I open it up and there's all these names and I don't, you know, I'm taking the family trees and I don't know any of them. Well, I'm the family historian. I know every family name on both sides of my family. I'm going to these family trees and one tree after another, after another. And I'm like, they messed up my DNA kit. That's what they did. They swapped me with someone else. I mean, so that's my thought. I'm in denial. That is not my results. And my sister, she's like, I think you need to really look at those results better. And I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about, but I think you're crazy. It's like, go look at them. And sure enough, so it talks about it, that um, I'm not just a first cousin. I'm a half sibling, right? And I'm like, oh, you are so crazy. I am not your brother. And so I'm still denying it. I'm still upset. And then she sends me a picture of our father. And when he was in high school here in Phoenix, where I'm at, and dang, I just, that was it. I mean, I, I couldn't deny it. That was, that looked like me. I mean, not exactly, but so many of the features in the face were the same. I mean, I, so I just, so I couldn't deny it anymore. So at that point then I'm, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think in a way. I have nothing but half siblings because I'm the oldest. And so I have siblings here with the family I grew up with. And I have siblings in New Jersey and none of them are full siblings. And so at first I don't feel like I really belong with any family. I feel kind of like the outsider in two families, but eventually I got comfortable with it. And I realized that I have input from both families. So I'm a member of two families now and equally a member of two families, but it took a quite a while for me to move through the emotions to get to that point where I was okay with it. Yeah. Did you ever feel that way like an outsider in your family growing up? Or did that only enter in once you found out that you were adopted? Or not oh, adopted, no. but... I I always felt like an outsider. So about the time my siblings that I grew up with got in high school, they started calling me the milkman's son because I don't look like them. So when I had colored in my hair, it's very dark and I'm kind of rounder and 
and my siblings are all blonde and thin and they, you know, they look very different. I mean, you would never, you put me in a room with a you know, hundred people and they would probably be the last people you'd say, those are the siblings for Randy. Um, and they tease me constantly. And I always felt, you know, and I felt about, and I act differently than they do. Yeah. I'm a little more sensitive. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm a lot more sensitive than any of them are. And they think that's funny as well. So yeah, I've been constantly teased my whole life because I don't fit in with the rest of the family. Yeah. So I am interested, Randy, as you get going in this journey that you were on once you got your DNA test back, obviously there were a lot of different things that you had to kind of address. And so there's several twists in your story, like you, you alluded to earlier. You also found out that your siblings that you grew up with knew that you were not their sibling. How does that affect your ability to trust them that did you feel in the book it seems like you felt a little bit betrayed how did you deal with that i still feel betrayed uh here's the thing do i trust them yeah they love me they would do anything to help me uh but in my mind that's my secret and if they had strong suspicions and they didn't particularly know i mean their defense is we didn't know until you tested the dna so that's true but they really suspected that I might have a different father. And, you know, because my parents got married, you know, by, by the time I arrived, after my parents got married, it seemed pretty obvious that I might not be my dad's uh, son. So they had, they had that very strong suspicion. And, like, they should have told me. And they didn't. And, I, you know, and their defense is... Well, you're just going to get upset like you are now. Well, yeah, I'm going to get upset now because you never told me. Back then, I'd have been maybe a little bit upset because you were maybe I thought you were teasing, or maybe I'd take it more serious. But it did come out, and yeah, they absolutely should have told me. That was my secret to know. So, I mean, I don't hold a grudge against them, but it still bothers me. So I would suggest other people who are in this situation, I have been asked this a couple of times. I was up at Roots Tech, whenever Roots Tech was, a month ago, a month and a half ago. And I did have a couple of people come up there. They're like, what do you advise? And I will tell you, if you're in that situation, it's better to let that person know at some point when they're old enough. You know, obviously when they're very young, they're children, um, that's, that may not be the, the best time. But they're going to get older. And if you hold that and they find out that you knew all along and never told them, there's going to be some resentment. And that's going to be resentment that will be hard to get over. I mean, it might linger, might not have a horrible out outcome. I mean, not in my situation, it hasn't changed the relationship I have with my siblings, but it does have, I, I mean, I am still bothered by it. So definitely, if you're in that situation, tell them. Yeah, that's good advice. And it's so hard to know what to do. But I think coming from somebody that's been through it, I think that's helpful. So as you kind of went through this, can you tell people a little bit about what you learned about who you are? Oh, yeah. See, I love that. And, and, and you know, that's in the book and everything. Um, my dad growing up. So let me, let me just say, okay, dad, that's the man who raised me. And my father is my biological father. So if you hear me say dad and father, that's who I'm talking about. So my dad is a storyteller. He tells amazing stories. He is very gifted. I would say all of the Lindsays 
uh, have a talent for storytelling. So I grew up and I love telling stories and, you know, that's kind of why I got into writing eventually. And what's interesting is once I met my biological father, I learned that there's an interest in writing. So my dad just, he's a, a verbal storyteller, but my father likes to write stories. So it's kind of interesting that I feel that I, as an author, as a complete package, I've pulled in from both parents, both fathers, those talents to, to make me the kind of storyteller I am today. That's super so, interesting. So can you tell us a little bit about what you learned about who your biological father is and kind of how you came to be? And then also, I'm curious, so you start the book with a note about your mother. And I thought that was so classy and tasteful. Um, you just kind of state up front how much you love and respect your mother. And I'm curious about why that was important to you to include. I knew that this was going to bother my mom. Um, she is worried about how people will, will view her. And um, I, I don't want that. And really, the story isn't about my mom. It's not about the relationship that happened between my mom and my biological father and between my mom and my dad. It's about me making a discovery and finding out that I have two dads and how that impacts my life. And also, it, this story is about finding out that you have family that you didn't know exist. And yet, on a more important level, I think this is really a book about what is family, because I do, in the book, talk about all sorts of relationships. I have um, two boys that are adopted. So, and my wife and I, it's the second marriage for both of us. So we have, uh, what I like to call it is a yours, mine, ours, and theirs family. So we both have children from our first marriage. We have children together. We, uh, and have the adopted children. So we, we do get, a, I do have a perspective of what it's like to have children from all of those different uh, relationship types. And then I, I move on and I try to apply that to all the situations I find as I go along. When I'm out in New Jersey, I have a sister-in-law whose mother was adopted. There's a great story there. I have a sister-in-law who was kind of in my same, same situation. She, when she was 14, she found out that her dad, the man who raised her, was not her biological father. So I wanted people to realize that the story is not about um, the secrets and it's not about it may be someone making a mistake or, or, or an action that they might later regret. It's about learning who family is and learning to just accept your family, no matter which situation you're in. Yeah. I think that's such an important lesson to learn and that we just recently had a podcast episode where the guest talked about how families come in all different shapes and sizes. And I think that that's, it's, sometimes difficult. I think in Latter-day Saint culture, where we have kind of a cookie cutter view of what a family looks like, but there are so many ways for families to look differently. And I think it's important to embrace and talk about those. Another twist in your story, Randy, is where you find out that your biological father had a similar experience to you. And he found out that his father, his father that raised him was not his biological father. How did that change things for you? And how did it allow you to have compassion on him? 
That was, you know what, that was really kind of an important pivotal point in the relationship because the there's a whole new family in New Jersey. And I'm not sure that, you know, when I, initially, I'm not sure that I wanted to meet them. I mean, I'd been 57 years without them. I was doing fine. I have a family who loves me. I love my family. I don't need a new family. Um, but I'm meeting them. And, and they're wonderful people. And as you read the book, you realize that I, I they are family and I accepted them. But at that one point, I was seriously thinking like, you know, I'm I'm just better off not knowing them. I don't I don't need complications in my life. But finding out that my biological father ran into the same situation, I had sympathy for him because I w- all those feelings I was feeling he was had, but he didn't have the benefit of having a dad who raised him who really loved him. His dad, his um, stepfather, didn't love him and didn't care for him and did not take good you know did not provide for him well. And so that sympathy really allowed me to toss away that my reservations and just embrace him uh, more readily. So yeah. it was bad for him. It was good for me. Yeah. I think it's interesting how when we have similar experiences to someone, it allows us to have empathy in a way that I don't think we can have otherwise. So I actually, it's interesting that you said that was a pivotal point because as I was reading the book, you can kind of sense that like change of heart as it, as you go along. Tell us about when you met your family in New Jersey and specifically when you met your father and how that experience changed you as a person. Oh, I was so nervous. So my my wife and I, we had already planned a trip for our 20th anniversary. So we were going to be going to Arkansas and Florida. And, and I said, no, we just need to go up. I got to see this new family. But, you know, at that point, it felt more like this is something that I have to do. It's more like an obligation. But and I'm, I'm so nervous. I mean, what if he, uh, what if my father doesn't like me? What if the family doesn't like me? And what if they're, you know, weird or something? Um, so you never know because they're strangers mostly. And I had done some phone calls with my brother, Joe, and I had exchanged quite a few emails with my sister and I was getting along pretty good with them. And I, I felt I'd be okay with them. But my father has some uh, medical issues. So he had had a stroke when he was young and he had a brain injury from uh, working constructions. So he does not communicate a lot. He doesn't talk a lot. And so I had not had any kind of communication with him before meeting him. So I know that we, we go out there and we pull up to the house and I'm just so, I'm so nervous. I just, here's a big moment. There's, there's a whole new family and, and it feels like it's all pivotal on whether my father accepts me and how well he accepts me. So he is the last one to come out of the house. And he comes up and he gives me a hug. And I got to tell you that there's probably two or three times in my life that I've had a feeling like this. I could literally feel love pouring out from him through his arms and into me. And in that one moment, that whole situation changed. I see I'm getting ready to go out here. I, uh, I immediately felt loved and it was family. Boom. From that point on, I was part of that family and it felt great. When we talked the first time, Randy, about possibly doing a podcast interview about this book, you mentioned that there were some things that were of more of a spiritual nature as it relates to your experience, and that because this is 
a book published for a secular audience, you left some of those things out. And I'm curious what spiritual lessons you've learned from this experience, or if you could share some of those things that that didn't make it in the book. So normally I don't talk about this. I mean, obviously I want this book to be able to help as many people as possible. And I am getting a lot of responses. I get people who will send me an email and they'll say, I'm in this situation and being able to look, you know, be able to read your book or listen to your book, audio book helps me because I can see that I'm not the only one that has gone through that. And so normally I leave out anything secular because I want this to be able to be helpful to as wide an audience as possible. But for an LDS audience, sorry, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints audience, um, I have a patriarchal blessing. And my patriarchal blessing talks about how I covenanted with my mother and father to be, for them to be my parents. And here's the thing. I really believe that my dad that raised me is that person, that the parents that I spent all these years thinking of as my parents were those people in the preexistence who, were, who had promised to look after me and guide me and, and help me. So I have tremendous amounts of respect for my dad who stepped into this situation and he believed at first that I was his son, but even once he found out that I wasn't, it didn't matter to him. So uh, I think it's great that uh, Heavenly Father guided everything and I ended up with the parents that I needed to have in order to raise me to be the person that I am. But I also find it really wonderful that I have picked up traits from my father. So I am this very unique blend of both of those men together. That makes me the person who I am. And so I'm really, really grateful for my biological father as well, even though I guess he wasn't originally meant to be part of the picture. He did. And because of that, I, I am the writer. I'm the, the person who loves to write and I have a talent for storytelling that I get from both of them. So neat. I would love to hear, Randy, what all of this has taught you. You said, you know, this is a story about family. And I'm curious what this has taught you about family and the family's role in our Heavenly Father's plan. Oh, well, you know, family is who we love and who loves us. I mean, that's the most important thing. I think we sometimes get too hung up with identifying family. Uh, then we feel awkward maybe when we shouldn't. Uh, sometimes family is adopted family. So our two boys, we love our two boys. And, you know, I'm not sure that they weren't always meant to be with us. My wife and I had a big gap between marriages. We were we had as many children as we could, and we weren't able to have any more children. And so those two boys came along at that time when we weren't able to have any more children. And I got to wonder if maybe those souls were, those two boys were meant to be with us all along. I, I don't know. That's just a speculation. But my point is, they're part of the family now, and I can't imagine my family without them. We are way too hung up on identifying family in one way or another, because I think that it's not. In the, in the gospel, we have plenty of family that is natural. I mean, we have the parable of um, the olive trees. So there's the natural trees, 
and then there are the branches that are grafted in. I, I think that uh, it's important to remember that. I mean, so in my situation, I have family that has been adopted or pulled in, and I have family that is by blood my family. And um, both of those are family, and both of those are important. So we need to, I think, be more concerned about the love uh, we feel for them and, and, and treating them well. That's where that's what defines family. And family can be your ward family. It can be um, your your friends, a group of friends that have learned to uh, support one another. I mean, I think we need to think of that also as family. Yeah, I agree completely. I had I told you this before we got on this interview. I have a friend whose mom took a DNA test and afterward her response was these things should really come with a warning label. So I wondered for you, if you could go back in time, would you take the DNA test again? And if so, why? For the longest time, I would not. Because my life, I like my life. I like the way my family was set up. I was nice and comfortable. And really, that's where we're at, right? We all want to be in that comfort, comfort zone. And when you take that test, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to find some sort of surprise. During my experience, I would say that about 80% of the people I tell my story about, they have a story or they have an aunt and uncle, grandparent that tells you know, that has a story, a spouse that has a story, or a friend that has a story. That's a lot of people. That's a very high percentage of people that have something surprising happen when uh, they do a DNA test. But as I as I learned, uh, as I got to know my family and realized that I am this blend of my two fathers, you know, now I'm glad that I know, and, and probably also. The most important thing on that is the reason people should do this. And the reason that I'm glad that I did is it answered questions. So growing up, my siblings still make fun of me that I'm the sensitive one. So, you know, they're like, oh, everything bothers you. You just need to toughen up and, you know, get over it. Um, But, you know, that's just not the way I am. My biological father, that whole family, the Petrowskis out in New Jersey, they are a much more sensitive group. And I can see that I get that from there. And that, that helps my writing. Uh, writers need to be able to be more sensitive to feelings, be able to put that into the story, and that makes for better stories. So, I mean, both of my fathers have contributed major uh, abilities and, and traits that make me as good a writer as, as, as I am. So I am totally glad. And what, what would I counsel people? Find out. There's so many reasons. Um, to find out. I mean, A, you're going to find out about yourself. You are just absolutely going to find out why you are the way you are and and what kind of traits. And that's going to answer your questions. And it'll make you feel better about yourself because for so many years, I was the odd child. And I'm still the odd child. But now I know why I'm the odd odd child. I'm the odd child because I have traits from the other family as well. So now I... don't fit into either family as much because they have traits from both, but I'm okay with that because I understand that. Oh, I know I was going somewhere else with it, but uh, how's that for an answer? It's perfect. Perfect. Okay. 
really quickly, before we get to our very last question, I would love to hear how getting to know your biological family, specifically your siblings, has kind of expanded your soul, enhanced your life, I guess. Well, they're very different people from uh, the siblings I grew up with. So that, that expands my life because, because they act differently. They react differently. And I'm going to get a whole different set of experiences with them. I mean, so it's like having a second life and being able to have both of those lives together. I have not, I and mean, it's only been three years, so I'm still in the process of getting to know them. But I did, you know, make two trips out there, and I've loved both of those trips and the the way they live, and, you know, their lifestyle and the just the environment. New Jersey is way different from Arizona. Uh, it's just been amazing to go out there and uh, enjoy that. Yeah. Randy, it has been so good to talk with you and to hear more about the the emotions and the spirit behind this experience. I think um, your book is fascinating and I hope people will check it out. Before we wrap up, I just have one last question for you and that is what does it mean to you to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Okay, and I'm going to give this a spin from a point of view of an author. So since I am. Um, I got into writing um, seriously about 10 years ago, and uh, my first book was published with, it was pretty easy to get my first book published by uh, one of the uh, publishers. And I'm like, oh, great. See, that just shows that I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a good writer. And then my second book, they published my second book, and I'm all happy, and I start doing speaking engagements. Uh, but then my third book comes out, and I could not find a publisher for it. So I self-published it. And I self-published um, three more books after that. And I started getting a little bit worried. Like, how, how can I have done so well so early and then struggle and have my career kind of stall? I was even thinking about getting out of writing because I was just not having any luck getting those books out there to the public. And I mean, I had faith in my ability to write. But then this happened. And um, I, I made this discovery, and I had uh, my writer friends, or you have to write about this. I'm like, I do not want to write a memoir. That is the last thing I ever want to write is a memoir. I, mean, I just, I'm, I'm not a fan of memoirs per, per se. And they're like, well, that is why you should write it, because you'll write it differently. You'll write it like a story rather than a memoir, and it will help people. And I just, oh, to this day, that friend, that just bugs me, because that convinced me helping people like, all right, I will give it a try. And then if, if no publishers pick it up, then that's okay. Cause I didn't want to write it to begin with, but the publisher did. So shadow mountain picked it up. Um, they were very eager about it. And so for me being the all in, how does that tie in with all in? Um, I think this is the path that the Lord wanted me to, to be in. And in order to be all in, you have to be willing to, um, accept the direction the Lord has that's maybe different than your own. I mean, I would r- much rather be writing science fiction and fantasy because that's what I, what I love to do. But what I'm doing now is I'm giving seminars on uh, to help people be able to write their own memoirs or their own family history stories, and that is so important at this day and age. The the amount of uh, discoveries we're, we're getting in genealogy I and mean, the family history trees are growing, and those stories need to be told. And our personal stories need to be told. We live in a time 
where a lot of stuff is going to happen. A lot of really important, momentous things. Uh, and we should be writing about it. But a lot of people are like, well, no one's going to read my stuff. But I'm really good at teaching that. So because of all of this, I listen, being all in means that I have changed careers in a way. I'm still a writer. and I still talk about writing. But now I've changed my focus to be what I believe the Lord wants me to be doing. Beautiful. Thank you. I think that's that's a powerful thought. And and it's cool to see how when we allow ourselves to course correct um, according to the Lord's plan that he blesses us. And I can see that in you and your story. So thank you so much, Randy. It's been a, a delight to talk with you. Oh, it's been fun for me too. Thank you. A big thank you to Randy Lindsay for joining us on today's show. You can find Randy's new book, The Milkman's Son, in Deseret Bookstores now or online at DeseretBook.com. Thank you so much for listening to this special bonus episode. And be sure to tune in on Wednesday for an episode you don't want to miss.